Big thanks to NASCAR for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Netflix's newest docuseries, NASCAR Full Speed, follows drivers as they battle for one of the biggest titles in all of motorsports during the 2023 NASCAR playoffs. Get an in-depth look at who these drivers are off the track and how they and their teams navigate the physical, mental, and emotional challenges of competing for a championship at the world's highest level of stock car racing. After all, the race to the finish is just the beginning. Watch NASCAR full speed on Netflix to catch up on the characters, competition, and chaos that define the 2023 championship before NASCAR heads to Atlanta this Sunday, February 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yes, welcome back to Past Gas. Uh, I'm Nolan Sykes. I'm here, as always, with my cohorts, Mr. Joe, Joe Weber. Joe Weber. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to introduce <laughs> oh. myself or not. And I'm Joe Weber. Joe Weber and James Pelfrey. <laughs> Hi. Stop. <laughs> so what? gross. I just have a dry mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Okay. So today on the show, we are starting our two-part series. Two-part? Maybe yeah. three-part? No, two-part? I mean, it depends on how Kanan wants to cut it, but I think it's two-part. All right. Two-part series. On. Yeah, unless he comes back from the dead. <laughs> Ooh, then, we'll, then we'll do a third part for sure. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty awesome. Spoiler alert. Uh, our subject today is the one of the most legendary Americans ever, uh, Mr. Evil Knievel. Oh, it's pronounced evil? What did you think it was? I've been saying avow this avow? whole time. Yeah. Past Gas Podcast. It's about cars. It's not about forts. Hey guys, welcome to the Past Gas Podcast. If you like Past Gas, please help us grow by giving us a good rating and a nice review on the podcast platform of your choice. It'll really help us out, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. All right, now for the show. Avel Canavel? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought it was. Avel Canavel. <laughs> I don't know why He's you like would think friend. that. <laughs> Avel Canavel is a daredevil like who's like French and does like tight ropes and stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, but no, Evil Knievel. Uh, you know, no introduction, unless you need that, and we're going to give you all the introduction. Uh, <laughs> <Good> thing. <laughs> uh, he flew over buses, fountains, and rattlesnakes, but did you know he was also a ski jump champion? I did not. Uh, Evil Knievel is one of the most iconic names of the 20th century. 
there's a reason that people are still being compared to him nearly 40 years after his last jump. He rubbed elbows with Hollywood's greatest, performed stunts no one thought were possible, and pioneered a whole subsect of stunting known as action sports, which has blossomed into a multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, pretty much all of my favorite people of my childhood owe their career to Evil Knievel. Yeah, I think we should uh, preface this by saying most of our sources were just documentaries because there's a million documentaries on him. Uh, the biggest one being Being Evil mm-hmm. uh, by Dick House Productions, who did Jackass. It's a really good documentary. Uh, you should go check it out after this. Absolutely. I watched it last night. It is really good. <laughs> check it out on Tubi or wherever you can find it. All right, so uh, Knievel performed over 75 motorcycle jumps over his career, most of which were successful. Some were catastrophically unsuccessful. Many were on bikes that weighed close to 500 pounds, mostly That's, like Har- Harley Davidsons. Yeah, he loved Harley. He he had a Triumph Bonneville. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually started selling Honda motorcycles, which we'll get into. But I, I think that's crazy because, uh, Jer- I mean, Jeremiah is our motorcycle mm-hmm. rider, and he was like, yeah, it's like motocross people jump bikes that are like 200, 220 pounds. That's to think crazy. that there's he's jumping a bike that's 300 pounds more than that. Yeah. What's an animal that weighs 500 pounds? A gorilla? That's like jumping a gorilla. A gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so these motorcycles, they're flat track bikes that were not designed to jump, as uh, Joe said. He also broke many, many bones in his body and spent a lot of time in the hospital. And against all odds, he lived to a uh, he lived to sixty nine years old. Nice, <laughs> nice, <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> Perhaps more impressive than his death defying stunts was Evil's ability to act as his own promoter, hype man, and publicist. Uh, he knew how to pump up the drama and get the crowd on their feet. Um, I think that's my favorite part of the documentary. I didn't know that Evil was. He's like a handsome guy. He's super handsome. You know? And He's, just so confident, like oozing confidence in every interview he does. I guess it makes sense that he was so good at that because, I mean, you, I, I think if you have the mindset of like, hey, I'm going to jump over 13 buses or whatever, you also have the, the confidence of being like, I'm going to tell people to watch my stuff. But like, I don't know, like you you talk to like race car drivers today, they're definitely, there's only like a few that yeah, are Yeah, there's like, only a few that can talk at all. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> they're all just like nerds who are best friends with their dad. <laughs> so it, it was very interesting seeing uh, Mr. Knievel in action. Green Anaconda, by the way, 500 pounds. Wow. Which surprised me more. Cause I, that's a big snake. That's a big snake. <laughs> just a big meat tube. <laughs> <laughs> Evil's charisma inspired a, a new generation of stunt people around the world. He was a natural showman, a con artist, and outlaw. But he wasn't always evil. Uh, he was born Robert Craig Knievel on October 13, 1938 in Butte, Montana. Butte at the time was a small, rough town known for two things, mines full of copper and bars full of miners. Robert's parents, Robert Sr. and Ann Knievel, gave birth to his brother Nick a year later. Then uh, they divorced soon after. His mother moved to Reno, and his father moved to California, leaving Robert and Nick in the hands of their grandparents. Dang. So I was reading up more on Butte, and mm-hmm. uh, there was like 30,000 people in the town, but there were 3,000 prostitutes. 
Well, to like serve all the miners. So like, <laughs> literally one tenth of the population was prostitutes. That means ten guys were doing it with the same gal. Well, <laughs> uh, Ignatius and Emma Knievel, his grandparents, uh, showered the kids with love and affection, filling in a much-needed Ignatius. It's a crazy. It's we a have an Ignatius at Donut. No, we have an Ignacio. Yeah, but like, that's oh, that's that's kind of the same, right? Yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, his grandparents bought the boys uh, bicycles and toys and took them to fairs. When Robert was eight, Ignatius and Emma took him and his brother to a daredevil show that would forever change his life from that point on. The Joey Chitwood Thrill Show was a traveling extravaganza. Sounds like a rockabilly band. <laughs> the Joey Chitwood Thrill uh, Show. They got the freaking Joey Chitwood Joey Chitwood Trill Show. Yeah, it's playing at the fair. I'm surprised he didn't have his own signature PT Cruiser. Uh, so this extravaganza that featured stunt driver Joey Chitwood doing J turns and driving on two wheels and what amounted to be a giant commercial for Chevrolet. Uh, what really interested young Knievel was the motorcycle stunts. Riders would smash through th flaming boards at high speeds. They'd do wheelies and jump through flaming hoops. This show sparked something in Robert. In his words, I would go home and take the fenders off my bicycle and put clothespins in cards so it sounded like a motorcycle. That was the start of his lifelong obsession with motorcycles and danger. Damn. Did you guys used to do that when you were kids? Oh, oh yeah. 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 I found, I used to live next to the dump. And, <laughs> I mean, my parents still live next to the dump, but we used to go down. Where do you live? Right by the dump. <laughs> we used to hop the fence, and there was a whole section where they would bring old uh, broken bicycles. Oh, wow. And a lot of them were like, just had flat tires and stuff. So we'd throw them over the fence and fix them up. But I found a, a Thwin. <laughs> a Schwinn Thrasher. <laughs> Schwinn, Schwinn, that's hard to Schwinn say. Schwinn Thrasher, okay. which was like an old black uh, BMX bike with gold trim, mm -hmm. and it was so sick. And I had it for like a week, and then someone stole it out of my backyard. I've had four bikes stolen from my backyard. Uh, I had my bike stolen once when I was a kid. Um, I had like left it in my front yard and didn't really think of anything of it, and when we came back. Uh, from dinner, I was like, my bike's gone. What the heck? And then... <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? What the heck? He said, no, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't swear like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who could have predicted this? Um, but then uh, this neighbor kid from down the street, his name was Austin. Uh, he, like, came back with my bike, and he's like, yeah, like... My mom like found your bike in my laundry room. <laughs> okay, I don't know how it got there. I don't there. know how it got there. Yeah, um, I don't know where Austin is now. I hope he's not in jail. Um, Me too. Well, if he kept up that poor behavior, I bet that's right where he is. Yeah, also, Austin, if you're listening, we hope you're hope you're good. I hope bud. you're okay, man. He's Seriously. probably like a finance bro right now. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm. Don't worry, bud. I'm. I am good. Yeah. I own a house now. Yeah. Yeah. It's drinking champagne oh, in a, you're in a hot tub. You're yeah. renting. I own a house now, bro. Yeah. Okay. He's just watching the podcast. Uh, our podcast Eating YouTube channel on his Google like, Glass. Yeah, he's got future glasses that we've never seen before. Uh, don't worry, bud. <laughs> I am good. Somewhat related neighborhood kid story there's this other kid named Ru Ruben um, love who, that sandwich 
Yeah, great, yeah, sandwich, great sandwich inventor. Uh, <laughs> I bought a pogo stick from him. <laughs> <laughs> How much? For like five, ten bucks That's or whatever. A good yeah, deal. good deal. Because um, he was like, "Yeah, I'm selling a pogo stick. I want to like, I want to like buy a kitten or something." And we're like, "All right, cool." <laughs> so I bought it, and then like, <laughs> what a what a like fanciful yeah. land Nolan grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gave him money for a pogo stick so he could get a kitten. <laughs> <laughs> and then he came back like two days later. He's like. I have to buy back the pogo stick from you. And we're like, why? And he, he's like, my dad was mad that I used the money to buy nachos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. did he think he was going to be able to buy a kitten for $5? Also, who buys cats? Cats just, <laughs> cats just show up and then you have them for like 15 years. That's how you get cats. If you spend money on a cat, you're an idiot. They're free. They're free. <laughs> They're free. Cats are free. Yeah. Cats are free. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. <laughs> Get it? With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back to Eva Kaliva. Uh, Robert, he found an old garage door, set it up against a washing machine, and started launching his bike off of it with him on it, I would assume. His, him and his bike. He would light, uh, light up the ground on fire and jump over the flames. 
Eventually, he found another garage door and set it up as the landing ramp. When Knievel was 13, he stole his first motorcycle, a Harley-Davidson. He liked to ride the bike fast and recklessly, jumping off of whatever he could, doing wheelies up and down the streets of Butte, Montana. Like a 13-year-old, like you can tell they're not a grown-up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're a kid. What's that small boy doing yeah, on that motorcycle? Whoa, that kid just did a wheelie on that Harley. Yeah. I don't even think I'd be mad. No, like, I'd be like, yeah! Yeah, that's sick. Uh, and this is Butte, so yeah. like they're they've never seen shit like this. They've never know? seen anything. Yeah, <laughs> they don't even have TV. That's amazing. Uh, oh, one th- really funny thing that happened real quick when he first came to Hollywood. This will come later. Uh, he was doing wheelies up and down the street and all like in front of a bar that all these sportscasters went to. Yeah, <laughs> in, on like Ventura, and they all came out and watched him do wheelies, and they were like, "Yeah, that was the first time I'd even." heard the word wheelie or knew what a wheelie was and he was just doing that's it. amazing yeah my grandma was a flight attendant and uh like in the 40s and she was like yeah i didn't know what pizza was till i was like 25 <laughs> <laughs> and i we were in italy <laughs> did she like it when she, she had was it? like it yeah it's great <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. some pilot was like, we're going to go get pizza. And, and her and her friend were like, What's what? <laughs> what is she that? She puts on her helmet. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. The point is like people back in the olden days, like just didn't know. Yeah. Like nowadays we're pretty aware of almost everything. everything. Yeah. The internet yeah. makes it so easy for us to mm-hmm. just know everything. <laughs> yeah. But back then people were like, a wheelie, you say? Well, I guess that makes sense. He is on one. <laughs> uh, he would. Uh, he would also get the police to chase him, and he would outrun them every time. One time, he was showing off for friends, and then he crashed into his neighbor's garage and started a fire. Uh, but after a couple of years of thrashing his Harley around, by the way, not his Harley, he stole it. <laughs> of thrashing the Harley around, his grandma replaced the bike with a Triumph. His grandma. His grandma. His cool grandma, grandma who's raising him. That's cool. Uh, yeah, his grandma's really nice. His grandpa's really nice, too. Helped him out with, like, money once in a while. But I think one weird thing that was in this documentary was uh, the people of Butt, or Butte, <laughs> sorry, I always want to say Butt. The people of Butte, it was kind of like a, a West, like a Western kind of uncivilized town. And so they believed in, like, not law, but, like, solving it like settling things like a man kind of thing yeah and so they knew that he was doing this like shitty thing like stealing a motorcycle and uh riding around town doing wheelies but it wasn't it didn't bother them that much and it was like everyone knew each other and so it was kind of this weird uh like no one cared that he was breaking all these laws Mm. kind of thing wasn't hurt nobody that's chill he's just doing wheelies yeah well, I mean, stealing motorcycles, too. Well, yeah, but he probably gave it back at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, when he wasn't riding motorcycles, young Robert, now going by Bob, got his thrills from throwing rocks at prostitutes and running away when their pimps chased him. <laughs> cool guy. <laughs> I mean, that's a hard job already, and then he's just making it harder by throwing rocks at people. Yeah, what's mm. his problem? Like most high schoolers, he hated going to school because it got in the way of him riding his motorcycle. He dropped out sophomore year and got a job at the Anaconda Mining Company operating a drill. But that was too boring for him. So he was moved to service duty uh, where he got to drive an earth mover around. 
Uh, he must have gotten pretty bored with that as well because one day at work he did a wheelie in his er, er, what he did a, a wheelie in his earth mover and drove it straight into a high voltage power line, severing the wires and cutting off power to the entire city <laughs> of Butte. <laughs> this guy's just like the town terror. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was fired on the spot, but that was okay with him because anything other than riding a motorcycle was considered unimportant stuff. Knievel didn't need a boss telling him what to do. He learned pretty quickly how to use his natural charm to manipulate people. He started, to, he started offering to help guard local businesses overnight for some money on the side. Bob acted as a private security guard, making sure no one broke into these stores. But if shops didn't want to pay him, he would break into them himself and loot whatever he could. This was just one of the many rackets Knievel had going on. He was also known as a great safe cracker, card cheat, and stick-up stick kid. kid. It means he stuck up people, and he was a kid. Whoa. It doesn't mean that he was stuck up. No, it means he sticks them up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, he was the opposite of stuck up. <laughs> this life of crime eventually got him arrested. I'm not surprised. While in the clink... Yeah, there's only like eight people in his <laughs> town. <laughs> well, I mean, you said there's 30,000 people yeah. at the time? But that's a small town. I mean, that's bigger than Atascadero, though. I was imagining like where I grew up. Sorry, my hometown of Atascadero. I was imagining like a 500-people town. but I grew up... Uh, my city of Shorewood, Wisconsin had 17,000 people. Oh. And I feel like I knew... Most everyone yeah, in town. Yeah. <clears throat> While in the clink, Bob shared a cell with another local criminal, William Knopfel. 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 That's very important that you pronounce it. Like All right. <laughs> William Knopfel. A cop on night duty saw the two and said offhandedly, oh, great. We got awful Knopfel and evil <laughs> Knievel, and the name stuck. I think that's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> awful Knopfel, evil Knievel. That's like... You ever have those relatives where you're like, oh, you're so f***ing funny. Like, you should, you should be a writer. Yeah. Like, and they just, that, like, come up with great things on the yeah. spot, and they're like, oh, no. Like, that cop should have written for The Office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob later changed it to E-V-E-L because he didn't want to be perceived as a bad guy. But he was a bad guy. Let's, yeah. let's make that clear. Yeah. Uh, by the late 50s, Crime wasn't looking like a sustainable career for evil. Everyone in the small town knew him, and there was no one left to swindle. <laughs> I done swindled everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so he joined the army. One thing you should know about Evil Knievel is that he was athletically gifted. At Butte High School, he was proficient in track and field, ice hockey, and ski jumping. Now in the army, Evil excelled on the army team, particularly in the pole jump. When it came time for him to choose a path within the army, he chose to become a paratrooper, making over 30 successful jumps, which goes to show, Evil was a thrill seeker, thrill seeker, excuse me, through and through. After he got out of the army, he found himself chasing that adrenaline rush now more than ever. He participated in local rodeos, motorcycle races, and ski jump competitions. He even won the Northern Rocky Mountain Ski Association Class A Men's Ski Jumping, ski jumping Championship in 1959. Ski jumping is insane. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine that back then it was even more insane because they probably didn't have all the safety equipment that they do now. Yeah, you like know? braces and stuff. Yeah, like good helmets. <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't wear helmets at all. Probably not. I like those ski, the like 
speed skiing helmets that are like cones off oh, the back. Yeah. Oh, dude. Those are yeah, sick. Alpine skiers yeah. are so sick. God. Yeah. They're like action figures. Yeah. yeah. Bodie Miller and uh, who's the one chick that was like, what I love about like Olympic athletes is that you forget their names, but every like four years you're like, oh yeah, dude, freaking Apollo Anton Ono. I was gonna say Apollo <laughs> guy, dude. <laughs> His little soul patch. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that guy was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at one point, Evil played uh, semi-pro hockey. What is this guy? Right? He's just, just like a everything. robber and an awesome <laughs> athlete. And, uh, like, and he's handsome. Handsome and cool at motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> and he's from Butte. Like, yeah, I think I'm going to play like semi-professional hockey now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, where do you go from the Northern Rocky Mountain Association <laughs> ju- ski, ju- God damn <laughs> ski jumping competition? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he was playing uh, semi-pro hockey with the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, his teammates said he was a decent athlete, but one of the biggest bullshitters, and he always had to be the center of attention, even if it meant getting into more fights than the other players. When he was 19... He he's m- only 19? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's 19 <laughs> yeah. at this point. What? He moved back to Montana and used the money from a local car dealership and his grandpa to start a semi-professional hockey team of his own called the Butte Bombers. He was the owner, coach, and starting center. So you're just like in Butte, and maybe you're like, yeah, I played some hockey back in the day. I'm going to join this team. And then your coach is like a 19-year-old kid. Yeah, but (laughs) – and the owner. And he's also – He's like – you're like negotiating a salary with this kid. (laughs) Ever the opportunist, Evil uh, convinced the Czechoslovakian men's Olympic hockey team to come play the Bombers as a warm-up for the 1960 Olympics. He packed the 2,000-seat arena, and the Bombers proceeded to get pummeled by the gold medal contenders. By the end of the first period, he came out and pleaded with the audience to donate money (laughs) since they didn't make enough to pay the Czech team for travel costs. Then, after the bucket was passed around, evil dipped out with the money. (laughs) The Czechs were pissed, and the U.S. Olympic Committee had to pay them to to avoid an international incident. So, yeah, this... Czechoslovakian team comes over and they beat them twenty-two to three. <laughs> at least I got three goals. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Well, I think at a certain point they were like, "We're just gonna ease off." And mm-hmm. some of the other members of the Butte Bombers were saying that like they were just messing with them at that point, and they mm-hmm. could have scored like scored a hundred to zero mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, they should have. They, they were probably doing like <laughs> um, Harlem Globetrotters type. <laughs> Juggling the puck on their sticks, going down the ice, choked us out. Um, Around this time, Evil met his soon-to-be wife, Linda Joan Bork. This woman, uh, she's a saint, uh, for the mere fact that she put up with Evil's bullshit for so long. If there were any red flags that might have tipped her off that Evil wasn't the most chivalrous guy, uh, the way that he proposed was telling her, you're going to marry me. Uh, she openly admits in the documentary, uh, being evil, that it felt like she was going to get kidnapped the day they got married. Linda was walking down the street, and he pulled up in her car, or pulled up in his car, rather, and drove her to the church to get married, and she felt like she didn't have a choice. Oh, God. So, cool again, cool yeah. guy again. Um, 
And that wasn't the first time he had kidnapped her. He was formally charged with kidnapping a few years earlier and basically doing the same thing. Yeah, they left that part out of the documentary. <laughs> they kind of made it seem a little bit romantic yeah. where she was like, yeah, it was kind of weird, but like, I love the guy. And then I look and like six years earlier, he like actually kidnapped her. <laughs> yeah, I remember having like, I feel like right now we're just blowing so many people's ideal or like image of yeah. Evil Knievel up. Like I remember feeling that when I watched the documentary, like, oh, he was a huge piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like that cool guy who jumped over buses and stuff that yeah. you liked when you were a kid. It's like, oh man, this guy is just like such a bad guy. And yeah. I think it, like in our situations, that dude that we knew became like, he started working at Jack in the Box by the time he <laughs> yeah. was 25. But he just kept succeeding and yeah. was just like so reckless and just like threw caution to the wind at every turn. And somehow it worked out for him. <laughs> he <laughs> just a... kept winning. Yeah. Honestly, man, it's just like sheer power of will can like get you yeah. so far. He like manifested all this success. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's what we learned in like, you know, with our uh Fordlandia episode mm-hmm. like yeah it was a horrible idea but like but just like just that arrogance and know? ruthlessness ruthless really. arrogance just yeah. like what I, the thing like my happiness means more than anybody else yeah we'll be right back with more of this story but first a word from our sponsors big thanks to nascar for sponsoring this episode of past gas netflix's newest docuseries nascar full speed follows drivers as they battle for one of the biggest titles in all of motorsports during the 2023 NASCAR playoffs. Get an in-depth look at who these drivers are off the track and how they and their teams navigate the physical, mental, and emotional challenges of competing for a championship at the world's highest level of stock car racing. After all, the race to the finish is just the beginning. Watch NASCAR full speed on Netflix to catch up on the characters, competition, and chaos that define the 2023 championship before NASCAR heads to Atlanta this Sunday, February 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. A few years down the road and three children deep, Evil found himself facing a tough decision. He had been racing motocross professionally, but it wasn't enough to support his growing family. Plus, he'd just broken his collarbone in a race, and the doctor told him he couldn't race for six months. He used his hunting and fishing skills to start Surekill Guide Services, promising clients only the biggest and most impressive trophy kills. Like most things Evil did, this venture was wildly successful, but was shut down when the game wardens realized he was taking people into Yellowstone National Park to hunt. <laughs> this guy's a cartoon. This yeah. guy's insane. He doesn't care about anything. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> hey, all this land, all these animals, might as well hunt them. <laughs> maybe it was because he respected wildlife, or maybe he had uh, money signs in his eyes, but Evil Knievel traveled to Washington, D.C. to protest the culling of elk in Yellowstone Park. The practice of slaughtering huge numbers of elk was done to the national park, uh, done at the national park rather, to thin numbers and give the rest of the herd a better chance of survival. Knievel thought that the elk should be transported to legal hunting areas, uh, and he hitchhiked all the way to the nation's capital with a pair of 30-inch elk antlers to deliver the petition and 3,000 signatures. 
No, he's like a lobbyist. Yeah. But I think it was Mr. just because Knievel he was like, <laughs> yeah. all those good elk, they could be making me money. Yeah. <laughs> Put them on the other side of the fence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. you ain't going to let me, you killing them anyway. It's kind of for a point. Evil was passionate about many things, but none of them paid the bills. So in 1962, at the age of 24 now, he decided to knuckle down and get a real job. He's still only 24 years yeah. old. And that's when he started selling insurance at the Combined Insurance Company of America. The owner of the company, W. Clement Stone, was also a self-help personality and suggested that Evil read a book that he wrote called Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. <laughs> and this book completely changed how Knievel thought. This dude's a character, too. There's yeah. some weird archival footage of him, and he's got, like, a dolly mustache <laughs> and he's like success <laughs> is based off of your mental attitude yeah. and he's like i feel weird. fantastic yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so weird weird ass dude uh evil brought the same level of intensity to selling insurance that he did to stunting he was a gifted and charismatic salesman one day he went to a local mental hospital and walked from room to room selling insurance to mental patients. Uh, he ended up selling 110 policies that day and 274, or sorry, and 271 of them for the week, breaking a national record for the company. But when he went to W. Clement Stone and demanded that he made, be made vice president, <laughs> Stone for some reason denied him. <laughs> <laughs> this ticked off Knievel. So he moved to Moses Lake, Washington and started selling Honda motorcycles. Business wasn't as booming as it was when he was selling insurance, though, so he started looking for ways to perk up interest in his business. That's when he had the idea to do a motorcycle jump. So he rounded up two mountain lions and a, ref <laughs> and a refrigerator box full of rattlesnakes. That's so many rattlesnakes. That's a lot of rattlesnakes. And put ramps on either end. In front of a small crowd that he had gathered, Evil got up to speed on his 305cc Honda Scrambler and launched off the ramp. He didn't get close to clearing the 40-foot gap, but instead came down on the edge of the refrigerator box, flipping up angry rattlesnakes into the crowd and sending people running for their lives. <laughs> Wait, so it was like... Like he cased it and that yeah. just launched snakes out of the <laughs> But I think he, he rolled away. So he just clipped probably the side of the board or side of the box... Missed the ramp, and then just like yeah. rolled away. Because under his list of jumps, it lists this one as being successful. <laughs> I don't know what their definition of success is, but... Uh, that's pretty amazing. After Evil saw how much attention he got from the jump, he decided to take his talent to Hollywood and start a stunt show. Evil Knievel and his motorcycle daredevils featured stunts like high-speed wheelies, the classic flaming gauntlet, and a dwarf named Butch Wilhelm. That would perform a smaller version of whatever stunt Evil was doing in the finale. He would that he would dress up in the same costume as Evil and purposely failed the stunt. And this got the crowd even more nervous for the main attraction, Evil's Jump. Evil's like, Jump. This was the first time in the documentary where I was like, oh, Jackass is just trying to be Evil Knievel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wee Man is super into cars. He has yeah. like a dope freaking Impala. That's cool. Yeah. And he, he's like a van life dude. Yeah, he lives in a van now. Yeah. Like, that's like a, a hip thing now to do. Yeah, where does he keep his car? I don't know. I mean, in LA, we have like tons of businesses that are basically just like, hey, rich guys, park your yeah. cars here. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wish I could park my car there, you know? I need a place to park a car. Yeah, you have the office right now. <laughs> yeah, I have a car parked in our office. I didn't even know nobody liked it until two weeks ago. Max, I mean, Max loves it. Yeah, Max thinks it's really cool. I, I still think it makes sense because, you know, we're a car... Yeah, I think yeah, we should but, have some cars in there, and that's like a really cool, clean one. But it yeah. does, I mean, it takes up like the entire hallway. Well, it's supposed to be in the lobby, yeah. but everyone moved it into the hallway. Because <laughs> there's another car yeah. in the lobby. He took his show on the road, stopping in at cities like Barstow, California. Ooh. Yeah. Tacoma, Washington, and ah. Missoula, Montana. Ooh. Many of these early jumps were very sketchy because the team had still not figured out an airtight way of calculating things like speed, launch angle, and distance. So they didn't know how to do geometry. Yeah. <laughs> Listen up, kids. If you're in high school, you're thinking, when will I ever need this? Well, if you plan on doing motorcycle jumps, you better learn geometry. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of this documentary was like, they interview his friend who's like, yeah, he just had me like stand at the ramp and say like fast enough or not fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) Everything was guesswork because no one had actually really done this before. And evil wasn't the kind of guy to bring in math experts, (laughs) nerds, to figure out the optimal speed and launch angle. No, evil relied on his friend standing next to the ramp to tell him if he was going fast enough. Yeah. Can't rely on these nerds to tell me how fast to go. I'm gonna do it by feel, and then just totally fucking crap. Oh, they're so boring. <laughs> what if somebody sees me with them? <laughs> oh well. <laughs> if you want. When you throw caution to the wind, bad luck usually catches up to you eventually. One of Evil's first serious crashes happened on June 19th, 1966 in Missoula when he was attempting to jump 13 cars. He had just landed his first successful jump. You can't even jump a freaking... Uh, a refrigerator box? Yeah, I can't jump a refrigerator box. <laughs> a refrigerator fr- a box? Well, we're all having strokes today. <laughs> a refrigerator uh, <laughs> He had just landed in his first successful jump over 12 cars in Post Falls, Idaho, only two weeks earlier, and felt confident adding another car's length to the jump probably wouldn't be a big deal. Uh, Evil revved up his Norton 750 Atlas and ripped down the runway, took off. It was obvious from the jump that he didn't have the speed to clear all 13 cars. He and his 400-pound Norton came crashing down violently. Knievel broke his ribs, his arm, and was knocked unconscious. But the five months of recovery didn't deter Evil Knievel. Each time he moved on to a new city, the jump seemed to get bigger. When he heard that ABC's Wide World of Sports was going to be covering a dirt track motorcycle race in Gardena, California he saw an opportunity to become world famous. That's the whole, like, uh, I really respect, he took his, like, con artist skills and looking for every, like, every way he could get over on someone, and it translated really well to... Business. Business, and especially this kind of business. Weird how that works, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, business is just, like, being shitty. Oh, psychopaths are really good at business? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I worked for a guy who was like, yeah, man, business is just a shell game. You're just moving money around to just cover your bases until someone else comes knocking. I'm just like, that doesn't sound like a very good business plan, dude. 
So anyways, you want to invest in yeah, one? Yeah, I was like, yes. <laughs> I'll work for you. <laughs> one of the best jobs ever. Uh, Wide World of Sports was an extremely popular television program that showcased different sports from around the world. It was the only TV show that you could see things like rodeo and skateboarding, sumo wrestling, and high lie. <laughs> Uh, highlights. Highlights gnarly. Yeah. Dude. It's so gnarly. Yeah. It's, speaking of, uh, have you seen that jackass? Did you, when, no. With the oranges? Yeah, they shoot each other in the butts with oranges. <laughs> with like these highlight hooks, and it gets up to like a hundred miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, and they're just like fast. shooting Ryan Dunn in the ass with <laughs> oranges. Ow. Uh, <laughs> Evil was able to sweet talk the organizer of the race into letting him do some of the jumps before the race. The stage was set. Evil appeared confident and charismatic in the pre-jump interview, telling the host, I'm not going to miss today. And he didn't. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> in his first televised jump, Evil Knievel successfully jumped 15 cars on his Triumph Bonneville T120, a bike weighing 363 pounds. The race that happened that day was the biggest and most anticipated dirt track motorcycle race in the world, but it was completely overshadowed by Evil's jump. The event catapulted him from being a local legend to a household name across America. Fame was what he wanted. Uh, but the big question was, how would it change him? Hopefully for the better. Yeah, I think, it, you know, in my I mean, people usually get nicer when they become yeah, really famous, yeah. right? <laughs> so Easier to deal with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we'll find that out next week on Past Gas. Uh, we're going to talk about how he absolutely destroyed his body, why he fought the Hell's <laughs> Angels, and we'll see the full transformation from Bob Robert Knievel to Evil Knievel. Wow. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. I mean, that that's an insane first half of your life. I mean, first, like, 20 years of your life. It's crazy. Um... Do you guys have anything to plug? Because I do, and Joe does as well. Next week, next Wednesday, January 22nd, Joe and I will be in the belly room at the Comedy Store in Los Angeles. I'm super excited for this. Um, please come out and support your boys. Tell them that you're here at the belly room to see us so we get, by, we get invited again. We want to do it. Yeah, that'll be really fun. <laughs> yeah, just come come watch your boys do some stand-up comedy. I think it'll be it'll be really great. So that's next Wednesday, January 22nd at the Comedy Store in LA in the Belly Room. Uh, we also we have a second YouTube channel where we host the full video of these podcasts. It's called Donut Podcasts. So check that out, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And uh, keep listening and give us some good reviews on the platform of your choice. It really helps us out. Um Follow James on Instagram and Twitter at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe on Instagram and Twitter at Dark underscore webinar. <laughs> <laughs> makes me laugh every time. And follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nolan J. Sykes. And follow Donut at Donut Media. Um, thanks for listening. I love you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.